Previously on From. Is Daddy coming home? Any second now. You go start saying your prayers. I'll be there in a minute. Megan, what are you doing? Maybe I can come in. Megan, no! You want a drink, huh? A man protects his family. Open your eyes and look. Look at what you did. Look. Tell my parents I said goodbye. Mom, Dooley killed Norman. What happened to Norman? The monsters killed them. There's no such thing as monsters, honey. Why is there a tree in the middle of the road? Must have got knocked down in a storm or something. All this can't be the same place. Excuse me. We're trying to get back onto the highway. Could you? We're on the same road. He's bleeding. There's something in his leg. Claire, are you a doctor? I was a third year medical student. Please stop it. Hurts. Ah. Make it to Colony House. Run as fast as you can. No matter what you see, no matter what you hear, you do not stop. Hey, hey I need help here. From one of those two cars? That hasn't happened in a long, long time. What do you think it means? There are things you need to know about where you are. This, unfortunately, is going to be the worst conversation of your life. Do you believe in monsters? Why did you bring me here? Because I wanted you to see that if you climb high enough, even a nightmare can look like a dream. This isn't your fault. What do you mean? I hear their voices. They said it was the only way to go home. Sarah, just tell me what you did. I left the door open. Those things, they walk, they never run. They know there's only so many places we can go. I feel like I'm hanging on by a thread here. I can't find any more bodies. What are you looking at? Nothing. All right. Oof. Lots of stuff that seems like has already happened in our great series from on epics so that was just season one episode one and episode two that have been sort of recapped all together we are going to be discussing season one episode three uh and this one is called um choosing day uh i I, without further ado i'm going to introduce kinte because we have a lot to talk about this episode is actually one of my favorites in terms of how things are pivoting and we just have a ton to go over. So Kinte, my awesome, excellent host, how are you tonight? I'm doing good. Uh, glad to be here and I'm looking forward to it. I'm all caught up and we're going to break down these episodes and try to get caught up so that uh, we'll be uh, releasing episodes right after the brand new ones come out. So right off the bat, I want to ask you how you, what did you think overall of this episode? And when I say that, I mean... Episode one and episode two, I think, did a really good job of setting the stage for making this place be as creepy as they could possibly make it. Um, but then we get into episode three, and it starts to normalize some things that actually are kind of disturbing. So give me your overall impressions of this episode, and then I will share mine. Um, okay, this episode was very good because... Once again, 
it's giving us the background on how the town works and it's also telling us uh it's giving us kind of like uh, what is accepted what is not accepted um i won't get into the ending yet i guess we can wait but it had a very uh gripping ending and it also um it lets you know that these characters are human and that that they react to certain situations um you know uh with emotion they haven't they're not devoid of all their emotions at this point yeah, I, I think that that is 100% true. And when when I say normalize, I, I feel like what I'm saying is these people have somehow created uh, an oasis in the middle of a nightmare. And that oasis in the middle of the night of the nightmare is it, it the cracks show all the time. But they spend a lot of time to try to cover up the cracks and make it feel normal again. And so when we realize that uh, we have the Matthews who are going to have to, you know, decide where do they want to stay, and they have uh, our sheriff giving them the tour of the town, the things that are happening feel very normal. And then you realize that they are going to be staying in the house where a huge murder just took place. I mean, talk about normalizing sort of the nightmare. It's, it, it just, it feels like there is so much happening at all times and the stakes never get lower. They're always really high. Um, one of the things that I really loved about this episode, and I would love to hear what you have to say about this, is the interaction between Frank and Boyd. Okay, so Frank is the man who was uh, drinking and he basically didn't get to his family and then his family was killed by the monsters. Um, and Boyd is our sheriff. So when Frank is talking to Boyd, or I should say when Boyd is talking to Frank, you know, Boyd is telling Frank, look, you, not only does a man protect his family, but you can hear that there is something painful underneath the surface of that conversation. And it sounds to me in this episode, like Frank just sort of had given up. And when I, I mean, I say that like in the, in sort of the saddest possible way, he had no other escape other than basically getting drunk, passing out his there was nothing else for him to do I, he i think he felt um and how huge must that be and then how big must that be on boyd that he then has to sort of make an example of frank what did you think about that yeah i mean this was uh one of the most compelling moments of the series i think thus far including going forward is you really got to see because I guess in the first two episodes, um, you see Boyd as, you know, like, you, I don't want to say robotic, but I mean, he, he feels I, all business. Right. And this one shows that, no, he really feels and he's not hardcore as he may want people to believe. You know, you right. start you start seeing that. um you start seeing that uh, he has emotions about this stuff. And then and then, just being in a leadership role is weighing on him because right. yeah, he, he's he's in charge of so many people's lives, you know, and he takes it very, very serious. I, 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 you know, in this episode, we start to understand the divisions a little bit between Colony House and Town, right? Um, and 
somehow, you know, the two of them have very different rules for everything. So the people who live in Colony House are basically living by a totally different set of rules than the people who are living in town. But Boyd, you can see, really takes all of it seriously and basically wants to protect everyone. It's not like, well, you belong in Colony House, I don't protect you, or you belong in town, and so you, this is just where I, you know, where I stop. It, you can tell that Boyd has an overall sense of these are my people. Right. And, and, and I felt like the, the telling part of that was when Boyd goes to talk to Father Cotri and says, listen, I, I'm, I'm having an existential crisis with this. I'm, here I am putting a man in a box knowing that he is going to die how does that help us? How does that make us any different basically than the monsters that are out there? And Father Cotri very calmly says, well, that's just what you've got to do. And I thought that was just absolutely like so telling about the both of them. Right. What did you think about that? That conversation, especially. I, I thought, well, the funniest line is when he says at the end of the conversation, he says, you know, you're the worst freaking priest ever because <laughs> right. you know and uh i thought it was great because you know you would probably think it would be the opposite it would be the sheriff looking to put him down and the right. priest looking to um spare his life but no it's a reversal and that i thought I, that was pretty good it's subverted I, I, expectation I, I feel like this tells us a lot about father Cotri. i feel like this actually is it really sets the stage for some future things where Father Cotri is behaving in a way that is maybe it, not questionable, but different from perhaps just the average priest um, in the sense that, you know, it's not forgiveness and reconciliation. It's a little bit more Duty. something else, something more justice, something more, um, you no, know, the sign is important. Um, and then also this idea from Boyd that this is the first time that they've ever used the box is like, so all the time that Boy, at least Boyd has been there, uh, they've never actually had to punish anyone for it. It's always just been a threat. I, I thought that was really interesting too. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's easy to say something, but when you actually got to pull the lever, you mm. know, it, you know, it makes it, it makes it much more realer, you know, and then right. he has to live with the fact that, uh, that he's, you know, sentenced a man to death. Because I mean, I'm gonna assume that in his, in before he was there, he wasn't probably in law enforcement, you know. So right, I'm right. just assuming that, right? So he's not. It's not like he's been a sheriff in his other life, you know? Right. And and we don't really know. Uh, we don't really know at that point what may or may not happen. But we know that it's severe enough that Boyd gives Frank a talisman and says, look, you know what? There's a shack at the edge of the forest you go live there. You make the best life that you can. You never come back to town. You never see us again. Uh, but it shows you how much Boyd is convinced that Frank doesn't deserve. Uh, well, no, I shouldn't say deserve because he even he says to Frank, I think you deserve the box. But 
in his heart, he can't quite bake that work. Um, and partly, I think, quite honestly, this boils down to how savage and how much carnage there is attached to the death of the people, the, the, the physical remains of the bodies that we see. They, it, it really, like, it, clearly it weighs on Boyd. It, it is just such a huge thing. I think that that's the reason that he has Frank look at the bodies because it, it matters. It's just so horrific. Um, but Frank, of course, says, no, I, I deserve it. I, I can't. I, I, I turned away. You're right. I, I made a mistake. This is wrong. I, you you got to tell me what you thought about his decision knowing that he was going to die to get into that box and not try to live elsewhere. Because I think that this actually might speak to what was happening to him when he was basically drinking and not paying attention anyway. Um, uh, hold on a second. Sorry, that's my phone going off. I uh, apologize. Um, you know, I understand. He said the two most important per people on the planet were no longer here. Right. So I understood that from that point of view of him not wanting to live life without his wife and his uh, daughter. But, you know, and, and you can sympathize with him. But dang, what a way to to, to go out. I don't want to go out like that. I'm sorry. Even if I was had all that regret. That is just too gruesome of a way to go out. But so, don't you feel? Yeah. Don't you feel like maybe, uh, like maybe Frank gave up even before then? Like basically, he ha he gave up before he even the the night that he didn't go home. He had already given up at that point, and I don't mean like oh, you know, he knew he was going to get attacked by monsters. I mean, like he clearly just couldn't figure out in his own head how to stay on top of things enough even to protect his family. Like it, to me, it makes total sense that Frank would want to die because I think Frank realized that he had failed on every level and that that failure wasn't just that night. It, it had been coming for a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he did look kind of like he was out of it. I mean, you can imagine the mental toll that it would take being in this situation. So I can right. understand that, you know, and then once what happened to his family, maybe that, maybe in some kind of deranged way, you know, he felt some kind of peace with them being gone and then him joining them because now they no longer have to live in this nightmare. Right. In, in a weird way, I kind of think that Boyd's idea would have actually been more torture for Frank than just dying. As horrific as that was, I feel like it probably would have been more torture for him to live. So. It, that it, that that whole thing was just such an interesting uh, saga that was happening. So let's uh, let, let's switch over a little bit to um, to Sarah and Kevin. Uh, Kevin is Sarah's brother. He, Kevin is the one that's on the farm. Uh, Sarah is the one that works in the diner and killed Jade's driving partner. Um. <coughs> I find this relationship, or at least at this episode, I found this relationship to be so weird. I, I don't, I couldn't tell at this point um, if Kevin was just like 
like he knows that Sarah is basically suffering from some kind of mental illness or instability and he's trying to protect her or whether he was really afraid that something bad was happening to her and that he was trying to figure out what was happening so that nothing bad would happen to anybody else. And I really couldn't figure that out at that at this point. What did you think about their relationship? Yeah, it, I mean, obviously Sarah is stunted in her her growth and her brother is like just super protector, overprotective, uh, maybe I mean, maybe not overprotective. And um, they have this, this weird back and forth. And, you know, yeah. obviously we know that Sarah is going through a lot, which I guess we'll get into in future episodes. But um, uh, personally, but um, I feel like they did a good job of kind of giving you their whole dynamic, you know? Yeah, it was, um, it, it's an interesting sort of take on brother and sister because the, it's, because it feels like, uh, to me, at this in this episode, it felt to me like Kevin knew something was going on with Sarah other than just, hey, what did you do? Like, just the fact that he would ask her, what did you do? And then he told her to stay home. And And my guess is that, like, she was already suffering from something prior to them being there. And... It, that was kind of a holdover. That's that's what I felt like at this point. And in in uh, by this episode, that's how I kind of came to. Oh yeah, okay. Clearly, there's something more going on behind the scenes. Um, but I I have to say that I didn't hate Sarah. I I mean, she killed the guy, but I I, I was still thinking that maybe there was something to that. Like maybe there was a purpose behind it or maybe there was a reason that that was happening i don't know but i didn't hate her i just felt like there was just some story behind it um <laughs> okay and then we'll flash forward you know in future episodes and we'll learn more about sarah okay i gotta ask you this question because this is the one that just kills me this made the whole episode like stand up on its head right Mm -hmm. Victor is counting steps from the house to the trees. Oh yeah, Tell to see me, what did you see, what did you think about that? Um, I well, I don't want to say the guy's crazy because anybody in that situation would be crazy, but he might be on to something. You know what I mean? Um, well, I mean it seems like he's on to something, and the I don't know they didn't really get into exactly what made him think that this was even a possibility but um um i don't know this guy has been here the longest mm -hmm. and uh he's obviously seen a lot mm -hmm. and um so you know it seems like he's still trying to work it out you know what's going on so okay. you know in a way that you know a lot of people don't even realize okay i, I would like to point out two things in a previous podcast, I mentioned the fact that this series is the kind of series that makes me feel like no small detail should be forgotten. And the lines of dialogue are not just for our understanding of character uh, development. They are clues to something bigger. And immediately my head went to why is he storing everything in a lunchbox mm -hmm. 
Now, in 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 future episodes, we understand why he's throwing everything into a lunchbox, but mm -hmm. that piece became very relevant. And again, every time there is an episode, and I know I have not seen everything. <laughs> I mean, I, I have not watched this through twice. I've only watched it through once. But each time I see an episode, I take note of some special line, some dialogue, some detail. And more often than not, that becomes a central point or at least a strong point in a future episode. So I want to uh, I want to run back to uh, Sarah. I'm sorry, not Sarah, Julie. And um, and remember when Julie is up in the room and um, and we have um, oh gosh, her name just left me. Uh, um, what is uh, what is what is her name? Who is the who's the girl that's in Colony House that is befriended Julie? Um, her name is the girlfriend kind of, of uh, of uh, yeah, the girlfriend of Boyd's, yeah, of Boyd's uh, son. Yeah, I'll, pull, I'll pull her up on the screen. Um, I totally forgot her name. Why am I forgetting her name? She's such a central uh, point of this of this piece. Okay, well, she says to Julie, as they're up in the window, she says, from up here, it doesn't look like such a nightmare. And I held on to that. And I felt like that was really kind of an important thing to say. Why would you say that? And, and sure enough, that becomes uh, sort of almost an episodic theme as we go forward. And so my point is that in this series, the, the, the things that you think are just overlooked details are usually not. They're important. The, the way that they are unraveling this as a story is such an incredible mystery that it really feels like there is no way to understand what's really happening here. What did, what, how do you think about it? Um, honestly, I think that, uh, that I don't want to keep using this card, but it's so early into the game, you know, and we're still trying to figure out how these characters fit in and her character specifically, um, you know, they kind of left a lot, she's kind of like this um this figure where we really don't have a whole idea of where she's coming from and or what's her motivations so i would say that uh the jury's still out for me hello oops i'm sorry <laughs> i was on mute um okay but but um wouldn't you say that for the most part um Every time we come across a detail that either the either the camera pays attention to or that dialogue is like honing in on it don't you think don't you feel like these things are more important perhaps than in other series where you know you kind of have like lost dialogue not it's important and we understand that the characters have to have back and forth in order to understand who the characters are. But in this series, it's not 
it's not that we are just learning about the characters. It's that we are learning about this place because the characters seem to already have the clues. Maybe they haven't put them all together, but they do seem to all have clues that if they could just bring them all together, they might know something that's going on. Does that, do you know what I'm saying? No, I hear what you're saying. And I think that's the intent by the writers. I mean, I'm just going to mm. guess okay. that's what they're trying to do. And I'm hoping that these are not just red herrings, that they're actually going to go somewhere with it. I've heard that this description about from as it's a lost copycat. And I have to say, I actually disagree. Now I'm, I'm at episode uh, six that we just basically just watched. Um, I don't feel like it's a lost copycat. There are a lot of similarities if you wanted to make uh, a Venn diagram, but they don't line up. They just don't line up. And this is also, I feel like this is way more concise than anything that Lost put forward. And I, I mean, I say that like I, I did, I liked Lost until I didn't, but I did like it. Um, but I never felt like Lost was leading in the same kind of direction that From is leading. It is obvious that there is something happening and they already know what that is. Um, and, and it's not nebulous. It's not, um, it's not, uh, what's a good word for that? It's not in the ether, which is sort of how lost was where everything was kind of in the ether. You know, there was just so much going on because because the the, the landscape of lost was, something that couldn't be defined. I disagree with that in this series because clearly the landscape is very defined, right? Does that, do you see what I'm saying when I say that? I hear what you say, but I mean, Lost was a terrific show that I, I feel, <laughs> you know, like that's one of my favorite shows of all time. So uh, I would, I don't know that I would put this in that category as with, with oh, Lost. I You'd be surprised at the number of critics on the internet, especially people that do TV uh, critic write-ups, that call from a lost copycat. No, I can see why, because some of the same people, Jack Bender, uh, some of the writers on there and all of that stuff. And then plus, you know, they're stuck in a place. There's a bunch of people stuck in a place who don't know each other. That, You know, I mean, I get, you know, I get it. But so I wouldn't what do you, say. What makes it different? What do you think makes it different? Um, I think the thing that makes it different is that, uh, that, um, this show, I mean, the, obviously the setup is different, uh, you know, uh, they're not on the Island. Uh, there's no, I'm assume there's no, there's monsters, but not a smoke monster. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, it's not the same show, but it's in the, you know, it's in the, it's a cousin. So supernatural, uh, thrillers that edge on horror tend to have very similar feelings to them. There's a lot of pervasive themes. There's a lot of tropes and motifs that kind of go into the making of. So it's easy to kind of take uh, a show like Lost, which you're right, was I'm, I'm not saying that I didn't. I just didn't like the very end, that's all. Mm -hmm. um, but up until that point, it was a great show. And the acting in Lost uh, was truly fantastic. I mean, there was just something 
famous about it. What I think what I'm trying to say, though, is it's easy to compare this series to a lot of other series, but it definitely has its own smart blend of slow reveal mystery. And I, I don't know how to describe why I can feel that in the dialogue and in the uh, presentation, but it is very obvious to me that they are trying to tell a very specific story that doesn't meander. And I do, I do think that there might be some red herrings here and there, but I also don't feel like there are as many red herrings as perhaps we think there are. I think the things that we might think are red herrings are actually clues to what is happening. And it's very purposeful. Um, so anyway, that, all that to say, I loved that scene where he was counting to the trees because it felt like, okay, wait a minute. Why is he counting to the trees? Because something about him says he understands that this is a thing that can happen. How do the trees move? What in God's name does that even mean? I, I just found that so fascinating. So sorry, I was just geeking out on that particular piece because I thought it was great. No, I agree. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's let's go on to sort of the the episodic title uh, purpose, which is choosing day. So the Matthews have to choose which place they're going to stay. Are they going to stay in town, or are they going to stay in Colony House? And we know already that Julie and Fatima is her name have made pretty good friends. They she feels I think Julie feels like any. A teenager that she is special snowflake and not part of her uh, family <laughs> she wants to break free and uh, that seems pretty normal but the fact that they give her the power to choose uh, feels like that's kind of not a great idea and so the Matthews choose town with Ethan and um, mom and dad and then Julie chooses Colony House. So now we have a division that is between the Matthews. And it starts to feel a lot like Boyd and his son in the sense that, oh, yeah. Hmm. Okay, kids rebel. What's going on with kind of that dynamic? So what, what did you think about everybody's choice? Um, I, I thought that was pretty cool because... You know, it keeps the drama there, and you can oh, you could see it coming a mile away that 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 was going to happen. So, I mean, I actually, I th I thought even maybe the son was going to choose Colony House as well. You Ooh. know, uh, you know. <laughs> that would have been something. So, but um, you know, um, I I I think that it's really good. Now, here's the thing, though, I can't be the only one that thought this. But uh, Boyd's son and Fatima, are they trying to make the daughter a third? I, You know, originally I thought that that might be what was going on. Uh, and, and maybe it still is and maybe we just don't have enough information because certainly there are things that happen in the next episode that seem to kind of like even push further toward there. But I also think that um, I also think that much like 
this idea of living in a commune that embracing people that you feel like you can nurture is a thing that maybe is a little bit more um, that it's bigger than, than just the, a relationship aspect. I, I feel like there's actually something more going on there. I don't know what it is. I don't really know. I don't understand how to explain it. But I think partly it's because of what happens in the next episode that I think maybe that isn't what's going on. But I don't know. I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm sitting there after a while. I was like, are they trying to make her? I I, 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 I kind of hope that that isn't what's going on either. But I, I think I can see it on both sides. I don't know. Uh, the the other thing that happens before uh, before Ethan moves into town before they decide to go to the house is Ethan is still seeing the little boy outside, right? And that feels I don't know it just feels so weird it feels very off putting again it's in the day uh, again it is sort of like there's nothing threatening going on the the boy does not seem at all scary he just seems like a boy which is also super weird i i felt like it was super weird um 100 uh, weird yeah he just i don't know there's some i i can't tell also the other thing which is great about the picture that you brought up here what is this place in the background do um the the house that's in the background mm -hmm. what is that because no that is not me neither it's not in any of the pictures that we see of colony house when we see colony house up on the hill right it isn't it's not there i don't see it anywhere and i can't tell if it's like you know part of like victor's hey are the trees moving and so maybe it's like part of something that's coming into reality or whether it's something that's moving away from reality. I, I don't know. But I, I thought that that was super awesome. I love that little touch. Um, okay, so the end of this episode is Frank goes into the box. And man... Oh, wait, wait. Did we talk about Jade at all? Uh, did we talk about Jade? I guess just to say that he, you know, he, he when he came to. Oh, oh, you know what? You're right, because Kenny shows uh shows Jade the the grave uh of his of his partner of the guy that was driving, right? And and says to him, hey, because I think Jade doesn't. Well, obviously Jade doesn't. I can't say he doesn't think he knows that in his head he's like, this is like an escape room. This is uh this is some set up this is some and he's absolutely sure that the, all of the people there are basically like drama actors that are just trying to mess with him and that was actually kind of neat because I, I have to say that's one way that I can see that somebody would respond to being in that situation I, I don't know if I wouldn't think that too like oh I've been dropped into somebody's uh, you know VR experiment or something yeah, and look how brutal that is. Did, what do you, what, just give me your idea of Jade altogether. What did you think of Jade? Oh, I like Jade because Jade is so different than everybody else. 
and he gives his own it's like he has he's in his own show almost and he's kind of a jerk you know and he's a he's real interesting character so uh i I, and i love the way that they bring him to it it's like you know he's thinking oh my friend is having to go with me and all of that kind of stuff so uh no i i I like jake yeah kind of i i like jade too i i like the fact that kenny has sort of taken uh, it on his shoulder to uh, be Jade's mentor through this. Um, because it, because number one, it feels like it gives Kenny something to do after the death of his dad. Um, and number two, it feels like, you know, there's something special about special hard special but there's something special about building that bond in the same way that fatima is building it with julie to indoctrinate someone into the rules of this special world Mm -hmm. and how that happens for each one of them is so different and we can see that it unfolds different so it's different for the matthews that are in town it's different for julie and it's different for jade and each one of those groups behaves differently in light of the information that they're given. So I, I have to say, I really, I, I like that a lot. I do like that. And you're right. It, that, that piece is actually really essential. And then Frank goes in the box. A box. And, and of course, you know, the, the one thing about that box that really makes me <sighs> upset I mean, I'm sure Frank was upset too. Sorry, Frank. Um, but the thing that makes me so upset about that is, oh my God, they they made it, Boyd made it difficult enough to get in that Frank has to listen to them clawing at the outside of that box for a while before he gets munched, attacked. Uh that it just felt like such slow torture like wow that's sad that is just so sad what did you think of that oh man it was you know what's interesting was about that was although i thought it was a great way to end the episode and uh you know i thought it was it was perfect and it it really advanced the story and i think in a in a way but I started feeling very sad for him. I mean, it was, it right. was, it was excruciating because you realize he's not a bad person. He's just handling a bad situation. He handled a bad situation, not good. And most of us would have broken down and made mistakes, you know. But yeah, uh, I, yeah it's tough. I, I I feel like that is so far out of these three episodes. That is sort of the message that we get. It is that it is everybody is having to handle the horror of what is going on in some way. And it's just that some people are able to handle it in a way that allows them to survive. And then some people are handling it in a way that is uh, not good for everyone else. That is, that is causing more problems that is creating uh, a situation where stuff can get worse. And, but it feels like everybody is vulnerable to that. Every single person is vulnerable to that. The only, honestly, the only people who don't seem like they 
have that capacity are the kids and probably Victor. I feel like Victor is just as much one of the kids as anybody else at this point. So I, I really loved this episode. I thought this was a great sort of pivot point, um, especially in light of what I know is to come next. Um, when I looked back on this episode, I felt like there was, they packed so much of the human understanding of what it would be like to be immersed in this world into it and still managed to give us character backstories and little glimpses that both humanized all of the characters and also, again, raised the stakes for us on levels that I'm not even sure that at this point we understand how high those stakes really are. Even, even at this point in the series where I am, I, I still feel like there is something much bigger happening here than I understand is happening. So very interesting. Really, really, really love this episode. And uh, I also wanted to say, for those who may not know, that these first three episodes were released all together. So That's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, and and we actually sat down and watched all three episodes uh, in one night and then sort of had time to discuss them and think about it and ruminate on it. And then in the next week, the next episode happened and it, it was a lot. It felt like a lot to take in. Um, and I almost wish that we had not done that. I almost wish that we had done episode, little time to think about it. Next episode, little time to think about it. Because there is just so much coming at you so fast and so furious. So that was that was my take on it. All right. Fast and furious. Yes, yeah. indeed. Kente, how can everybody find you on social media? Uh, it's very easy. You can go to Kente at Kente F on Twitter at Kente Ferguson on Instagram. And of course the website is the How can people get you, Jen? Uh, people can find me at moviesandmeals.com. And I just wanted to mention that the next episode is called it's it's this is this will be season uh, one, episode four. And season one, episode four is called uh, A Rock and a Far Away. Um, and th the next episode that we're going to talk about is actually, it's quite, again, you know, we're going to pivot again. Um, and it is quite an in-depth episode. A lot happens. And I think a lot uh, of things that we are waiting on finally begin to manifest in terms of, oh, now I think I understand what is happening here. So very interesting stuff. Can't wait to discuss it with you. All right. So with that said, uh, we'll see you next time right here on IndieRadio.com. Uh, uh, the, the Peace.